Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning and welcome to Journey today. I'm so excited. I want you to do me a favor. Hannah and um, uh, Jackson watch uh, pretty frequently here. So why don't we real quick, why don't you, they'll probably hear it more than they'll see it, but let's just give them a huge applause for just being faithful. So, it's awesome. Also, we want to welcome our Sherwood campus and everybody that's watching online. We started a brand new series last week called We, and it's already been my new favorite series. And it's not because it's the words that we're speaking. It's because the messages behind this are who we are. I mean, you can't take this out. This is our DNA. And so when we start talking about who we are, this is what we've been believing. This is what we've been trying to accomplish for you know 17 years now. So last week, we looked at the concept of we surrender. We surrender to God's word. And because of God's word, there's a transformation that happens in our lives. Uh, we read God's word, we ingest it, but it's really not the words on the page. It's the Jesus that we're directed to that changes us. And so that's what we talked about last week. And if you haven't seen last week's message, I would encourage you to go back and you can get us on Spotify and iTunes now. You can go to our webpage media and you can watch all the past messages, but last week would be a really good one. This week, we're gonna talk about the concept of you just saw, we love, we love our neighbors and we welcome them home. And I've been thinking about this. Over the last 17 years, we've had a lot of little phrases that we've used around here that encompass everything that we're talking about or everything that one statement, that we statement makes, that, that, we, that we love our neighbors. Uh, we've talked about a safe place to hear a dangerous message. And we think the message of Jesus Christ is dangerous because if, if it's accepted, it changes the way you do everything, doesn't it? It changes the way you, you raise your family. It changes the way you spend your money. It changes how you do free time. It changes everything. But a lot of times we talk about the dangerous part, but we don't talk about the message part. And if you're new to Journey today, I want you to hear something. We're not gonna talk politics in this church. We're not gonna talk about who won and who lost. I really, at this point, don't give a rat's rear end any of that because we're here to declare that Jesus Christ is the king, not the president, okay? And so that's the message of Jesus, how the life transformation can happen because of what Jesus did on the cross. The death, burial, and the resurrection changes our lives. Okay, so we'd say that, there's no statement. We're the imperfect church for imperfect people. Not the perfect church for perfect people. We're the imperfect. All of us have flaws. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. You know who is encompassing in all? Raise your hand. All, every person in this room, if you're breathing, hey, do me a favor, do this right here, touch right there, and if you feel a little bump, 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 you're in the all right now. All. Okay, so here's the third thing. We say engage people, engage, engage people. And we say that because of this one reason. When I engage with Jesus Christ, it's a message so powerful, I've gotta tell other people about it. I can't keep it to myself. That's why we talk about missions all the time. That's why we talk about outreach all the time because we have to do something with what we have uh, deep down inside of us. And so today what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the concept of we love. Now it's interesting because about a year ago, I have some hunting property. My brother who played guitar, my, my best friend Jay, we have uh, a, a track of land down in um, Glasgow County, down in, um, um, just outside of Warrington. And we have this really, it's like 350 acres, but on the other side of this beautiful creek, there's another 60 or 70 acres that we can barely get to. And so a couple of years ago, we decided we we're gonna kind of build a bridge over there. And we built like a makeshift bridge. Well, the water levels raised so high that we had to go back and build another bridge. And I'm not very, I, I can build a little thing, but we took some pallets and we made this bridge out of three pallets that crossed this creek. And we put all kinds of things to hold it together. 
And it's amazing to me because we had, a, I mean, it was like we had to cut limbs down and we had raspberry bushes and thorn bushes. And I mean, I needed like three pints of blood after we got done with this thing, but we, we got it so we can get across the other side of the creek. And when we got over there, the deer were so much bigger. There were so many more of them. I mean, the trees were larger, the acorns. I mean, it was like, it was like a promised land over there. All because we built a bridge. And then end of last year, beginning of this year, we had all those horrific storms and it blew the bridge out. And we were sitting there actually talking to each other back in, I guess it was August. Y'all ready to go build the bridge? And we're like, no, it's too much work. And all that's gonna happen is gonna be torn back down. And it made me think about church. The church has been called to build bridges. Instead, we build walls. We're called to put a bridge down so people can come to know Jesus. As a matter of fact, he's the greatest bridge. He bridged the chasm at the cross from death to life. And if that's what Jesus did for us, he did it for everybody then. And then we should be a community, a faith community that's building bridges. We should be putting as many pallets as we can so people can get across to the other side because deep down inside, people wanna know Jesus. I had lunch about three weeks ago with a young man, great young guy. And he started bringing up, I said, you know, why don't you go to church? Like, why don't you go to church anymore? And he said, Pastor Bobby, I'm gonna just be as honest as I can be. I don't go to church anymore because I've been to church before. And he said, and I get there and I don't understand what they're talking about. And they sing songs with words that I don't understand. And, and they use vocabulary and they, they have, sit, you know, it's, it's more like Christian calisthenics, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing when I'm supposed to be doing it. And he said, Bobby, it's not because I don't believe in God because I believe in God. I just don't know about the church anymore. And he says, when I go to church, all I hear is, is about politics and all I hear about is style and all I hear about is this is the way we do that. And I hear them arguing and bickering with other churches or about other churches. He says, is that really what the church And I'm going, you know something, you're absolutely right. See, that's the bridge that's been torn down. And at some point, we're gonna have to rebuild that bridge. And I believe God's called us as a church, a faith community, to build the bridge to this community, regardless of what color they are, regardless of what they believe in, regardless of what political party they are, that Jesus Christ died for all. Somebody say amen to that. We have two mandates that the Bible has given us. There's two objections, things that God has expected us to do. The first thing is the Great Commission or the Great Commandment. It's Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he says, this is the great and first commandment. And he says, oh, but hold on a second. And the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor. You shall be building bridges from God to people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's, the, great, that's the great commandment. And then there's the great commission he gives us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he says, and Jesus came to him and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm gonna keep that passage up there. If you'll just put it back for a second because there's a key word in verse 19 that I think sometimes we forget and the key word is go. It says, go therefore, not sit in chairs, not, not just have a little Bible study, not have us three and no more, not have a healing service. It says, go to the world and tell them. It's, he, he's, he's telling us in that scripture that we're called to build bridges from the world to God, the world to church, the world to Jesus. How do we do that? I think we do that by, first of all, understanding what really matters in life. And I think we've really got it messed up 
what really matters. I think we have a thousand other priorities, even in the church world, and God lays out specifically what the priority should be. Today, what we're gonna be looking at is a passage of scripture that tells us in this life, what really matters. And it's, it's the, the, just the scene is this, it's the judgment day. And all the saints are in front of Jesus. Jesus is on the throne and everybody is standing in front of him and he's, he's about to do something. He's about to, the Bible says, he's about to separate the sheep from the goats. And we're gonna talk about what that really means because that is the essence of what Christ has called us to do. Verse 31 in chapter 25 says, when the son of man comes in all his glory and all his angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate one from another as sheep separates, uh, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. I was thinking about this. What's the difference between sheep and goats? In biblical times, they actually look pretty similar. They would graze together in the same pastures and from a distance you couldn't see them. But when they got up real close, you could tell the difference between the sheep and the goats. And he's calling them sheep and the goats for a reason. And he's gonna literally talk about what, what, what one group of people does and what the other group does. But I'm gonna give you a fun fact because it's pretty interesting to me. Has anybody ever heard of a geep? Anybody ever heard of a geep? Nobody's heard of a geep. So it's a, something that happens, it's a phenomenon that happens in actual nature. It's when a sheep and a goat mate. Now what happens is they develop this thing called a geep. I'm gonna show you a picture of it. Uh, it's an interesting little picture. It's a geep, that's a geep. It's cute, right? It's cute, but I, I have to be honest with you. Uh, it's not a very fair world we live in. They last, if they even are born, they last only minutes because the chromosome counts so different and they're so diametrically opposed. So a sheep has 60 chromosomes and a, and a, and a goat has 54. And so when they have this genetic mutation, they, they come together and their, their chromosome counts. And so it's more like a, a quilt than it is a merging of two animals. So that's why it looks so weird. It's got like a sheep body and goat legs. And even in, in science, they've tried to uh, genetically uh, mend these together. They only last minutes and they're sterile. Now, the funny thing is, uh, they're not sterile. They're, they're, the sterile ones are the ones that are born in nature. When they reproduce the ones that they have created, either they're all sheep or they're all goats. So they go back. Isn't that a cool little fact right there? You say, Bobby, what's that have to do with anything? That's the, that's the picture that Jesus is painting. Whether it's, whether it's in nature or spiritually, sheep and goats are separate. See, we paint this picture in the world we live in that we think that, that God just loves everybody and he does just love everybody. But there's the other part of the judgment that a lot of us don't wanna even talk about. There comes a day where every one of us is gonna stand before a holy God and, and we're gonna be judged on something. And that's what this story is about. This, this, this whole parable, this whole story is about the judgment day. It's a story about judgment. And that day we'll stand before God's throne and he'll say, what did you do? Now I want you to first of all know this. You will not be graded, your judgment will not be graded on your religious talk. How many big words you, you understand or if you know Greek or Aramaic or how many Bible studies you have, you're not gonna be judged on that right there. You're not gonna be judged on your church membership. So if you belong to whatever church you belong to, if it's here, you're a partner here, that's great. You are not gonna be judged on that. That really doesn't matter to God. You are also not gonna be graded on the number of Christian songs that you can sing or skinny jeans you wear. I just had to throw that one in. <laughs> you're not gonna be graded on how many books or how many family life conferences you've been. That's not the judgment. The judgment is based on really two things. 
First of all, it's this. It's your personal response to Jesus Christ. How you respond to Jesus. I, I love what the book of Romans says. Because everything in this world, and I just wanna just, let me just clear something up. Because I'm gonna talk a lot about works in a minute. But if you've been around Journey any length of time, you know that we, we don't believe in being saved by our works. So we believe in Jesus Christ and that alone. But there's, there's works that follow and accompany a believer after that happens. But Romans says it like this. I love this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, that's it. We are made right with God. That chasm, that bridge was bridged by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And it says, it says, so we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. I love that right there. Hey, I want you to look around real fast. Just look around. Everybody look around. We have people of all different kind of colors and all different social and economic systems, all different backgrounds, probably all different denominations. I bet you in this room right here, we have all three parties that are represented right in this room right here. And if this bothers you, heaven's gonna suck for you. That just made some people mad. You're like, what? Come on, you wanna throw down? Bring it on. My, 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 my boy, dodging, dodging. Stand up, show them how big you are. Come on, man. Come on, stand, seriously, stand up. This joker's got my back. I'm serious though. If this bothers you, heaven's gonna be a long time for you. Like it's gonna really be miserable up there. So he says, who believes no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glory or God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ. When he freed us from the penalty of sin, he did for us what we can do for ourselves. Somebody say amen to that, because that's strong. So that's the first thing. You're going to be judged on your response, how you responded to Jesus. Now, the story of the sheep and the goats gives us the second thing that we're going to be judged on. You're going to be graded according to your response to the needs of others. How you did that. Did you or did you not show compassion to the world? Did you or did you not show compassion to the world? Not just when your guy wins, but when your guy loses. Not just when your team wins, right, Rick? When your team loses. I'm texting the boy last night. Congratulations, you guys rock. I walked up to him, gave him a big old hug of that ugly Florida shirt, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> Perfect church for imperfect people. <laughs> Jesus gives us the clear answer in this passage. The defining difference between a sheep and a goat comes to one thing. How we show compassion for the world. How we love people. How we love our neighbor as ourselves. So here's the first thing I want us to get. We've got to get this. is the foundation. This is the first kind of pallet in the bridge that we're going to build today. We need to learn to look for opportunities to do good. In our lives, we have to stop, slow down, get rid of the selfish stuff that goes on in our lives. And we have to somehow look at the world and go, okay, what's going on in the world that I can make a difference in? This way he said in verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from, from, for you from the foundations of the world. Now watch this, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I, I was I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me and I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. I'm gonna throw this out because I, I read this passage and I go, man, I can't do everything. You ever feel like that? You look at the starving, all the starvation that goes in Kenya and you go, I can't, I can't. 
or, or, or what goes on in our, in our village in Haiti. I, I can't do, but you know what? This is what I've, you can't do everything, but you can do something. And I think what happens sometimes is we say, you know, the, the, the need is so big, I can't do it. And, and instead of trying to do our, like bite off a little bit at a time, we just say, you know something, I'm gonna throw my hands up. I can't do anything. That's one of the things about a faith community. This is what I love. And when people talk about giving and they're like, I'm not gonna give to the church, blah, 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 blah. But, but we just share it and went, I could not support, I couldn't support them by themselves. I, I can't support Haiti by myself, by myself. But when we all gather our stuff together, you know what happens? We can support a lot of stuff in our community and we can do a lot of good and we can change a lot of lives and we can build bridges. But we gotta slow down and we have to look for opportunities to do good in our lives. You can't do everything, but you can do something. I love this because everyone here knows someone that could use a little bit of help, right? Everybody in this room, there's not a single person. You can, you can go through your phone today and go, oh, man, that person, I haven't talked to that person in a while. I noticed on Facebook that they said that they need a prayer. Like, we, we, everybody knows somebody. Everybody in this room knows somebody that's lonely and would appreciate a visitor, right? How, how about one of, one of the greatest tools we have? And, and COVID was so weird because like, I wanted to hug your guys, you guys' neck I, like, for 16 weeks. Like, I didn't know, I, I didn't know, like, this is church forever and ever now. And so you, you, I started just, hey man, just want to tell you I miss you. Just a message. And it's amazing how God works. It was in those moments sometimes people go like, you're exactly what I need. I need to hear, I can't hear your voice, but your words, I need to hear, hear, hear. And two days ago, I didn't know there was a family that was going through, I didn't know they, they just lost somebody to COVID. I didn't know anything was going on. Just want you to know, God woke me up this morning and I was praying for you. I'm praying for peace, I'm praying for mercy. I'm praying for all that. And, and it was like, all of a sudden, it's like, it, they, they just blew up. Like, how did you know that we were going through all this stuff? Every one of us in this room, we can go through our, 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 our Facebook messenger, we can go through our phone, and we can go, I haven't talked to that person in a while. How you doing? Just want you to know I'm praying. And, and, and uh, don't lie to him, pray for him. You know what I'm saying? Don't you I'm praying for you. And don't copy and paste it. You know what I'm talking about? Don't copy and paste it. Like, write, write notes, be, be, do it right. Everyone knows someone here that's sick that would appreciate a visit. Showing compassion begins with the willingness to do good and doing it when the opportunity arises. I, I wanna give us a passage of scripture that we're gonna talk about a lot over the next couple months and maybe years because I think this is the answer to all the world's problems. It's Ephesians chapter four, verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other. Boy, that's not happening. Be kind to each other. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. It's almost like saying, I forgave you, now you forgive everybody else. I was kind to you, now you be kind. There's a story in the Bible. Um, it's interesting to me because I'm guilty sometimes of just thinking that everybody understands all the stories of the Bible. I've been reading them for 30 years. And even when I wrote this out, um, I was thinking, Gretchen Shaw, my assistant all the time says, because I'll go, you know the story of the Good Samaritan? And I would just kind of, and she goes, not everybody knows the story of the Good Samaritan. So let me tell you the story of the Good Samaritan. There's a guy that gets beat up and he's on the road. He's left for dead by a bunch of robbers. Two religious people come walking down the road and see him laying there. Two religious people, a Baptist person and probably a Methodist person, two religious people. <laughs> I don't know that to be a fact. They walk on the other side of the road because they don't want anything to do with him. A Samaritan. 
Now you have to know a little bit about a Samaritan now, okay? It's just not the story of the good Samaritan. They were despised by people because they weren't in the lineage, a direct lineage of Abraham. They were half-breeds. They were like, they were like the geeps. They were half-breeds. They weren't fully Israelites. And so nobody liked them. The Samaritan shows up and sees this guy, picks him up, bandages his wounds, takes him to a hotel, puts a doctor on to make sure he's okay, pays his way, literally tells the person at the, at, at, at the, at the hotel, listen, if it's any more, if, if, if I tarry a little bit too long, if there's any more, I will promise you I will come back through and I will pay this bill. That's kindness. They didn't care what race they were, who the person was down there, who they voted for. It was just kindness. And that's why I say what I said. If we would get back to that one simple truth about being kind to each other, you wanna talk about a bridge that we can build with the world that we live in? If the church actually told the world what we were for and not what we're against all the time, that we're for them, that we're for Jesus, that we're for healing, that we're for restoration, that we're for some things, imagine how this world will change. Here's the second thing. Don't expect anything in return. Don't expect anything in return. The true measure of a man, this is what Samuel Johnson says, the true measure of a man is how he treats someone who can do him no, absolutely, absolutely no good. Can't do him any, like can't repay it, can't, can't, can't give it back to you. That's what true kindness looks like. When you do good, forget about who gets the benefit. I, I love it when people are giving. I love it when people, like, they get on TV and they show. But you know something what drives me? Like, they've gotten their reward already, haven't they? Well, everybody, and I love, I love, I love helping people. And I, I'll be honest with you, because deep down inside, we're all this way. I love being noticed. Pastor Bobby, that was such a cool thing you did for that person. I saw you do that. was so cool. I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> right? But listen to this story, because it's, it's a different mentality. It says, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when? That's the key word in the whole story. When? When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When, when, did, when did we see you sick and in prison or visit you? And the king will answer him truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you've did it for, you've did, you've done it for me. You've done it for me. I'm gonna tell you, our motive matters in all of this. Why we do things matters. The sheep in the story, the sheep, not the goats, the sheep in the story, they did it without knowing that Jesus was even watching. They just did it because they were, they were human and they were doing it because human people matter. Now, there's a fact many times, right? We receive something good in return. Now, if you do it and not drawing attention to yourself, fantastic. So I, 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 I have a friend of mine that was riding up I-20 and he's riding up I-20 he sees this, this car that's uh, on the side of the road. It was wet, it was during the rainy period in springtime and it was sitting inside the road and it was a woman in the car and she got stuck. She couldn't get out because she had kind of spun her wheels out. He was already late for an appointment, but he said, you know, I've got a, I've got a truck and, and I've got a chain and I'll just hook a chain up to her and I'll pull her out. And so he, you know, chain around, whatever, he put the chain around and he pulls her out. And I'll guarantee, because he's a good country boy, he had both them tires spinning, mud all over the car. And, but... She had to get her own car wash. But anyway, he pulls her out. He gets the chain off. He throws it in the back of his truck. And the lady says, how much can I pay you? Nothing. Fast forward about four months because nine out of 10 times, that story ends just like that. Did a good deed, right? He's trying to buy a house and he goes to the bank 
and they walk him, they walk him into, it's our, one of our new mortgage loan, uh, our, our, our person's over, the, he's the C, she's the CFO. So brings him directly into the office and it's the lady he pulled out. And you know what she said? Approved. <laughs> that was it. Never looked at his, approved. Because you know something, a, a person that's kind also is a person that's honest. And a person that's honest is gonna pay their bills back. And it was just one of those deals where, did he expect that in return? No, it just happened. And that's how God works. I, I, I will guarantee you, God has honored and, and paid back more things that you've done in secret that no, nobody knows about. Way more, way more big things, way more cool moments than the little bit of acknowledgement we get when we say, look what I did. So don't look for something or a way to get paid back. Let me give you the third thing here. We need to learn to include everyone. One of the things I've learned about living in our country and living in the South at times is that we'll do good deeds for people. Like I'll do a good deed for rich because I like rich. He's got a good looking beard, got a great hair game, good family, right? I'll do, if rich is down and out, I'm calling him, man, how you doing? Everything good, right? Kathy, I do it for you, right? I do it for you. But there's some people I'm like, hmm, hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Well, just don't like you. Not real thrilled with you. But come on. He's a, he's a jerk in the office. No kindness. No soup for you. No soup for you. This is deeply theological today, by the way. <laughs> we needed this after this week, didn't we? Well, I thought it was pretty timely myself. Listen, listen. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison or did not minister to you? You know what, he's, what, you know what they're saying right there? If we, if we would have known it was you, we would have done it. How about that? Jesus, why didn't you just tell us this was the rule? Like, if, if it was, like, why didn't you show up with the long robe and the cool beard and the sandals and just say, this was me? You know, that's the way a lot of people do stuff in the world, isn't it, though? And, and you get the sensation, you get the feeling as you're reading, if you read through scripture, read through scripture, don't read across, read through scripture, that it would have been different if they would have known it was Jesus. But at that point, it was too late. And that's why I say, we need to be kind to everyone. We never know that moment where Jesus is gonna be that, in that person. We never, know, we never know what somebody's going through. We never know that critical moment that, that they're gonna have. We never know that we could be building a bridge even by just doing one act of kindness, one little thing, we could be building that bridge. And yes, it's hard. And yes, bridges get torn down. But you know something what I'm learning in the world that I live in, the world I operate in, is that it's worth the effort to rebuild the bridge when it's broken. And I feel like that's where we're at right now as a society. We're in a bridge building moment. I was sharing with one of my kids and I'm 55 years old. So I've been around a little bit and I was trying to tell her they're young and they're, they're great kids. I was trying to tell her, don't, don't lose heart in this. Don't, don't, don't listen. This is cyclical. This kind of stuff is in cycles. 
Now, if you remember, if you grew up in the 60s and 70s, it was almost the same thing. Wars and rumors of wars and tension and racial riots and all this other stuff. And we made it through, didn't we? And nobody, nobody stole my liberty. I'm blessed beyond measure, not because I have knelt to a, a president, it's because I've knelt to a king. And in this process, I think all he's trying to teach us is to love everyone, just to love the people we come in contact. Verse 45, and he says, then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Wow, the least of these. I was thinking about what's the least of these actually mean. You know what the least of these are? People that'll never pay you back. You've helped. The least of these are the people that have made their choices and they're in the position they're in right now because of their choices. That's the least of these. The least of these many times is people of different race. Many times it's, it's somebody from another country that has different politics or different standards. The least of these. It may be somebody that belongs to a different denomination, doesn't worship the way we worship, doesn't, maybe don't even believe the way we believe. That may be the least of these. I don't believe, can I make a bold statement today? And you may want to write this down. I don't believe that we have permission to exclude anyone from acts of compassion in our lives if you're a believer. So I'm going to tell you a true story. I heard about this church, pretty similar to ours, that had been praying for opportunities. Their leadership teams were getting together. They were trying to figure out how they can reach and build bridges in their community. They heard about a church that was across the other side of town, not in the greatest section, different demographic, different style, everything. They had a passion to reach their community, but truthfully, they were just getting old. The building was aging, the people were aging, numbers had declined, the demographic of that area had changed from what that church was to what they are now. One of the leaders of one of the churches went to his team, the leadership team that he belongs to, and just said, hey, what do you think about maybe merging these churches together? They, they, they want to do, do everything that we've talked about. They want to reach into the community just like we do. They just, they just don't have the, the ability to do it. So it was presented to staff and leadership team and there was a comment that came up and I found it intriguing. And the comment was this, how will this benefit our church? How will this benefit our church? How will this benefit me? How will this benefit what's going on in that side of town, the, the nicer side of town? The leader stepped up and said, you know something? It won't benefit this church, but it'll benefit the community. It'll benefit homeless people. It'll benefit kids that don't have a proper education. It'll benefit people that need food. It'll benefit a community that needs a resurrection. It'll benefit that community. It will not benefit this church at all. So after prayer and talking and, and reading about and making phone calls, these two churches merged. All of a sudden, they're reaching out to homeless people down at this other 
location. They're, they're doing after-school programs. They're, they're being the hands and feet of Jesus. No benefit. What's the benefit to this church? Nothing, nothing at all. Actually, it's been, a de- it's been more money, more time, more resources. But I heard about this church that a couple months ago baptized their first person. I heard about a church, this church that had an event just a couple weeks ago that had several hundred people on a place that they could barely get eight or 10 people. If you haven't figured it out yet, that church is your church. That church is the church that you're a part of. It doesn't benefit this Evans campus at all. It doesn't benefit us. It's actually cost us a lot. But when that person came up out of that water that day, what you've done for the least of these, my brethren, you've done for me. Greatest commandment, love God with everything that you have in you, everything that you have in you. But equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. It's February, guys. I spoke a message just like this. And I had my wife come up and I told you I was tired. And I told you I wanted to be the pastor of this church that was doing these things. I don't know what it is now, eight or 10 months now. Let me let you on a secret. I am the pastor that's gonna lead this church into reaching this community for Jesus Christ because of this stuff right here. Because lost people matter to God and they should matter to us. And we are called to build bridges. I was watching a documentary on the Titanic. Anybody ever heard of that little boat? I didn't know this. It's never... Leonardo never talks about this in the show. But when they sounded this, the signal, when they hit the, that, that iceberg, they sounded a single signal and it was a boat. The California was 10 miles away, 10 miles away. The person that was on the radio ran to the captain and said, there's a distress signal. He goes, it's, it's not true. It's not real. That's the Titanic. That would never, nothing would ever happen to that. 10 miles away. They could have been there just in a few minutes. They saw the flare guns going off and they thought they were fireworks. The entire crew of the California went to sleep, woke up the next morning to the most horrific boat accident that's ever happened in history because they didn't pay attention to the signals. People around us, all around us are giving us signals the young girl that all of a sudden starts losing incredible amounts of weight. The young man that slurred speech all the time because he's high on drugs. The person that you haven't seen in a while in church. Maybe the person that looks like on the outside they're doing real well, but you noticed something different. You know in your knower, there's signals all around and journey, we've got to pay attention to those. So I have a challenge, just real quick. Close right here. Here's the challenge. Who do you need to talk to this week? Who do you need to talk to? Who do you need to send the message to? 
Who do you need to pray for? Who do you need to say, hey, you know, I want, I, I don't know what, I, I'm praying for you today. And I'll give you one more. I know since COVID things have been weird, right? But who do you need to invite to church to hear the dangerous message of Jesus Christ and how he can change their lives? There's lots of empty seats. Now I know we have every other row intentionally, but there's still some empty seats. Bring them to the 1230 service. We have a lot of room in that service. But who do you need to invite so they can hear the dangerous message? Who do you need to start putting the bridge together for? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I'm passionate about this stuff. I'm glad that somebody was kind to me 30 years ago. I'm glad they told me about the dangerous message and how it can impact my life. God, as I said earlier, we will stand before you one day and be judged on two things. What we did with you and the salvation story, the gospel story. And so my prayer is today that people are weighing that out right now. They don't have to walk up front. They don't even have to raise, they don't have to do anything. All they have to do is have a conversation with you. And God, if they know, if we know we're far from you, let us today take a step towards you. Let us ask you to take your rightful place as Lord and God of our lives. Allow us, God, allow us, God, to do that. And the second thing God will be judged on is this. What we're doing with human our human interactions, how are we handling those? Are we kind, are we compassionate? Because we wanna be the people that, that Jesus says, when you did this for the least of these, it was like you were doing it for me. We love, we love our neighbors and we welcome them home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextstepsjourneycommunity.net.